Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast of Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week I have a special interview with a new blogger on the Florida education front. So I'm sitting in the Jimmy B. Keel Library with Ryan Hazinski, who is a teacher at Strawberry Crest High School. And the reason that I'm meeting with him is because he is now our newest area education blogger and podcaster. And a lot of teachers don't like to do that. They're afraid to speak out, and he's not. So here we are. Ryan, welcome, and please tell us why you've decided to speak out. Uh, thank you, Jeff. I Partly, just I think it's really important that a lot of people are paying attention to what's happening in education here in the state of Florida. I'm not going to lie, partly inspired by what you do on the Great Book blog. And um, I think we needed a platform that highlighted teacher voices. Uh, so I started the website and with the blog and the podcast in the hopes of it becoming a very collaborative and diverse platform for additional teachers or any education stakeholder really to, you know, to just talk about what's happening in education. I feel as if teachers especially, you know, aren't invited in on those policy discussions of what's happening in Tallahassee. So that's a big problem, at least for me. I think that, you know, I, I, we're all trying to reach out, but very often, most legislators, I did sit down with some before the session started, but some of them are just, you know, either too busy. And, and I understand there's a lot going on, but I just feel as if we need to have a non-political voice in the room just talking about what's going to be best for kids. You know, a lot of times legislators, just if you're a union person, you automatically just get that label and your opinion no longer counts. And it's unfortunate that's where we're at in education today, because I think you know, regardless of what side of the aisle people come from, they want what's best for our kids and what's best for our future. Do you not worry? Like I hear a lot of teachers say, my school board or my principal is going to get mad at me for speaking out and somehow I'm going to get punished. Admittedly, the first time I started speaking out at our school board meetings, um, I even went to my principal and, and had that conversation with him. And, you know, he was on the same page. He said, you know, you're a social studies teacher. You know, you, you feel it's part of your civic duty and part of your First Amendment rights. Um, I'm the type. I'm a relentless optimist and idealist. So I, I try and not be negative or name calling or anything else. I, I want conversations to be constructive. So I think as long as teachers are speaking their mind and doing so in a way that is, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you know, they want to, you want to present your message in a way that is very uh, even keeled. You don't want to, you know, we have so much polarization in, in our conversations today. I think that if you come to speak, you know, or if you're writing a blog or whatever, you want to be, you know, it's okay to critique, but not to be just negative for the sake of being negative. I think that's a big problem. What are some of the issues that you're looking at right now that are really driving you to have an opinion or your colleagues to have opinions, whether they share them or not? Um, you know, HB 7069 is a huge touchstone right now for everybody across the state, both pro and con. Um, you have both sides. The charter people obviously want it. You know, at the end of the day, or first and foremost, I should say, I think every child in this state deserves a high quality public education. Um, it doesn't matter where that child gets out of that education. 
one of the problems I think with, for instance, the charter school movement is, you know, it started off in 1996 and the model of being nonprofit, there are so many back doors where they're really not genuinely being nonprofit. You know, many of these big charter companies start a nonprofit board that they put in place and then they just turn around and give exorbitant management fees over to these corporations or they have an LLC that purchases the land and builds the building. And so they're getting a cut of that. And then they're, you know, turning around and charging rent prices that go well above and beyond what, you know, the market dictates in that particular area. I mean, so there's a lot of problems just with charter schools, uh, with that form of charter school, the for-profit as they're constantly talking about. Do you Um, find that a lot of teachers even know about that? I know that there are certain groups of people who care, but a lot of people I find don't even immerse themselves into that level of politics. It's more about salaries and it's about things of that nature. I think HB 7069 has certainly made it, um, you know, people are much more aware because of it, because of all the coverage it's been getting. In fact, I think there was a piece you had written about a week or two ago where it talked about, like, will education be this big, you know, going into the 2018 cycle because it's such a huge issue right now. Um, I think that there are a lot of other issues at play, you know, when you Going back to teacher salaries, like you just said, currently we're, I think, 39th in the nation, you know, as a state, um, depending on which county you work for. If you work in the larger counties, you're probably making better money, but it's always going to be an issue. And I think when you look at, you know, money, for instance, overall, if, if education is taking up 25 to 30 percent of the state budget, it's going to invite people coming in. They're, they're going to want to get their piece of the pie, whether it's the testing you know, companies like Pearson who are producing all of these statewide assessments. I'm sure there's lobbying going on for those companies or for the charter schools. And um, with teachers, you know, the salary is an important thing. But I think at the end of the day, what teachers want more than anything else is, again, going back to that high quality public education that's free. It's a public good. It's something that every student should receive in this state. And I think, too, the way that we try and fund the state you know, 60% of the revenue comes from sales tax. I mean, what happens if we have another recession? You know, we are so run ideologically by no taxes, or when you see the legislature constantly saying, we're going to reduce taxes. In reality, all they're doing is kicking the can down the road to the local level. Um, I think we're fourth in the nation in terms of how low our taxes, and we're the third biggest state in the U.S. That's crazy to me. And when you take that in conjunction with the way that they kick the can down the road, if you look at local and state taxes, we're about middle of the pack. We're like 26th. And then, you know, like Speaker Corcoran at the Cafe, uh, uh, Cafe Con Tampa a couple weeks ago saying that legislature knows better than what, you know, the local elected officials, which I think is silly in some sense. I mean, the people who are situated in that particular context know What's going on? They have their ear to the ground. They have their finger on the pulse, whatever metaphor you want to use in a way that Tallahassee doesn't. And so they also handcuff. Look at the millage rate, for instance. Right. The, the way they handcuff, you know, they, they say, oh, we want local control. But then at the same time, they implement these kinds of rules and regulations that take away local control. So it's really tough to gauge what's going on in Tallahassee, especially in the last five years. Do you feel like it's better then for you to spend your time talking to people in Tallahassee or to talk to people in Tampa? Or, or, or is there some happy medium so that you can get the word to the right place? Or are you just not being listened to at all? <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that the public is paying attention. I mean, here in Hillsborough County, when you look at, for instance, like the whistleblower page, 
you know, that has gotten a lot of traction and made people more aware of issues. And a lot of times what you see on there is just forwarding on stuff that you're writing or that Marlene Sokol's writing. Um, so that's, I think locally we need to start here. I mean, it's becoming an issue because the press has obviously been highlighting some of the issues that we're facing, budgeting shortfalls and so on and so forth, but much of which goes back to Tallahassee. In terms of who I would like to talk with on the podcast or on Teacher Voice, anybody, anybody who has a voice to share that is going to have good ideas. You know, we, we need solutions. We need people who are willing to be advocates for our kids and for their future. And, you know, so I would like to talk to, you know, if, if it's Tallahassee, I'll start locally here in Hillsborough. I've already met several legislators. Um, before the session started, I even wrote a letter to all of the, every single legislator, everybody in the House, everybody in the Senate, I wrote an open letter and I sent an individual email to each legislator. And I got back probably 20 responses that's and pretty good. I had, a, I had a phone call <laughs> with uh, Representative Rene Placencia from Orlando. He's District 50. He's, I think, the only teacher. He was a teacher for 16 years. He actually wanted me to run. Um, but, you know, we need more people getting into the legislature who are education advocates, whether they're teachers or parents or what have you, people who are in touch with what's going on locally within their district, within their county. Um, you know, so... I, Again, anybody that wants to be part of the conversation, this is just an invitation for to get as many people involved as possible. What about students? We don't hear a lot of student voices, and I think that's my fault as much as anybody else's, but how much do you think we need to be listening to what they say as well? Are we doing enough? I think that students, it gets tricky because with students, you know, obviously they're underage, and so, you know, media releases and everything else, that's an issue. But I really wish more former students spoke out you know kids who are in college kids who are under 30 you know we have people who want to be involved and they very often claim i'm a proud hillsborough public county school graduate we need those people on the forefront who are pushing the legislature especially in tallahassee to properly fund education you know as much as they want to tout oh it's a hundred dollars extra per pupil I mean, that's less than what governor scott wanted he wanted like 215 dollars mm -hmm. per and then that still puts us $3,000 or more below the national average. If you adjust for inflation, um, there was a great article by, um, I think it's, her name's Emma Brown in the Washington Post about six, eight months ago. And when you adjust for inflation, both at the local and state level, Florida's number one in the nation, like 26% underfunded from where we were a decade ago when you adjust for inflation. So they are really trying to squeeze blood from a stone. And the way it, you know, they're funneling money toward charter schools it, it it begs the question, I mean, are you really trying to set up two different systems? Are you really trying to dismantle public education as we know it in the traditional model where you have a constitutional obligation to make sure that it's funded and to do right by the citizens and the kids especially? Yep. Well, I guess we'll, we'll end here by letting you say where they can find your blog and your podcast so that way people who want to participate and listen can get involved so teacher voice can be found at www.teacher-voice.com and then we're on facebook as well facebook.com slash one teacher voice twitter at one teacher voice um, you can stop by any places any of those places to see what's going on because i update the facebook page with the posts um, but I'm really looking for anybody who wants to be involved. We're, we're writing blog posts, of, or I'm writing blog posts at this point, 500 words, because that way they could be possibly picked up as op-eds. Um, but anybody, especially teachers, even if it's just cool things you're doing in your classroom, I would love to talk to you and 
just to promote the good things that are happening in education because unfortunately we have so many um, so much negativity swirling around such a big and important piece of not only our state uh, future but just even the economy and everything else so anybody that wants to get involved I'm, I'm all for it awesome contact me. well Ryan it's really great to talk with you thank you so much for taking the time to do this thank you so much Jeff for having me on I really appreciate it that's the end of our interview we look forward to hearing or reading what Ryan has to say for many years to come so please keep an eye on what he's doing and if any of any other people are doing a similar blog or podcast that you'd like us to know about and to share, please contact me at my email address, jsolacek at tampabay.com. Before we end the podcast, I'd just like to point out a situation that's going on in Tallahassee right now where the Department of Education is considering changes to the concordance scores for the Algebra 1 and 10th grade reading tests that students take and are required to pass in order to get a high school diploma. The issue of concordance scores is one that most people don't really focus on, but it's a pretty important one because it's that alternative test that students are allowed to take if they struggle with the main test that the state has. These gatekeeper tests and their options, the alternative options, are ones that officials often tout when they say, look, kids have more than one way to get past and graduate. Right now, the state is looking at changing the rules, uh, making it harder to pass the SAT in, and get a passing score in order to replace that with your for your 10th grade language arts test, and also looking to get rid of the PERT test as an alternative option for the Algebra 1. The State Superintendents Association has made a deal about, about this, saying that they don't think that what the state is proposing is fair, and they have recommended an alternative that they think would work better and not hurt students in the meantime. Uh, we've written about this on the gradebook, and I hope you check into that and also look at some of the past history on this because concordance scores have been a big deal for these students. A lot of times when they come to change them, students get caught in the middle. I've written in the past about a student who thought that he had received an adequate ACT test score only to learn that the state was changing the results and the requirements, and, and that he might have to sit for the test again, even though he had already thought he had passed it. I've also seen where there was a, a lapse in time where the ch they changed state tests, and then they didn't create new concordant scores, and they left people in the lurch, and it took a lot of, of finagling from school district people to convince the state to leave the existing scores in place until they created new ones, which they eventually agreed to do. So concordant scores may sound like a small thing, but it's big for those kids who really need them the most. If you want to participate in these or other education issues, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and join our conversation there because there's a lot of good commentary going on back and forth. Um, if you want to follow the news, as it breaks on these and other issues, please visit our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. I'm going to take a little break from doing the podcast, but I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And at that time, we'll resume. Thanks again for listening.